Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Good to have you here. It is Monday, December 19th, 2016. It is chill as in the air across the whole country, and it's feel like Christmas, uh, very much so, parts most of the country. And uh, I thought some prayers go out to those who are just dealing with some really severe weather. Now, we think it's cold, and but we're not dealing with some of the other weather, so our thoughts and prayers go out to them that's doing that. So wherever you're at in the country, we hope you are having a blessed, wonderful day. We are excited excited about this product program and we are excited about every program i know i know several of you remind me of that but we are always excited when we can talk about our favorite program in fact this program this podcast was established by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals again we're the proud recipient of the innovation award but the most important thing that we get each and every week from many of you is validation that what we are doing in the form of giving back is just it's being a blessing to many of you and we're really rewarded and talking down being blessing we could talk like that is christmas you know what i mean we should talk like that all the time but with that we've got casey crawford president of movement mortgage talking about the power of giving back and some of the things that casey and his team of give backers uh, they're mortgage professionals but they're give backers i I just invented that i don't know where that came from but anyway they're folks that give back to not only their community but are giving back and around the world and you look at reasons why some companies are so uh, prosperous or if you look at reasons why those inside the companies that are working there the cultures are so good if you create the right culture it's because people are usually giving and being a part of something better than themselves and we're talking to casey crawford in the second half of the program and really excited to have him on uh, andy shell the prophet doctor and i have been working with him since his very very beginning and so uh, we'll be talking more about that. But anyway, I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, ArchMI, creator of the new innovative RateStar program, as well as Motivity Solutions, providing real-time reporting, dashboards, and scorecards. Velma, an efficient marketing and mortgage marketing and email platform. Works great. We're pleased with the relationship, as well as Simplify. By the way, Velma came to us as a result of Movement Mortgage. They recommended it. I was asking Casey. It was a great one. They go, oh, we love Velma. They were doing a great job for them. And then Simplify, real-time electronic communications exchange. Nancy Alley and the team will hear from a little bit later in the program. The Mortgage Collaborative, the power of the network. Definitely want to join the collaborative. Also, DNH moving your world forward through technology. They have been in business for 140 years, 5,500 employees worldwide, supporting 8,000 clients in 70 countries. Check out DNH's Mortgage Bot All in One Mortgage LOS solution. They're a great company, great group of people, and the mortgage division is rocking. They are, t- they are so far, Dan Putney, who he had as a guest, is so far ahead of sales projections. It's crazy. It's fun to see what the, the, their success. Of course, we'd like to say it's because they're advertising on our radio program, sponsor of our program, but they're really, they're, they do a great job. So check it out, dh.com, or call them at 1-800-815-5592. Also, special thank you and Merry Christmas to Alice, Andy, Joe, Paul, Sam, for their contributions to this program. Appreciate you all. Let's talk about upcoming NBA conferences coming up here. Grateful for the NBA, one voice, one message. And I think it's important that you become a member of the NBA. Uh, we are, and we're pleased to it. Um, I'm speaking at the Independent Mortgage Banking Conference and uh, doing a session on the um, efficiency, efficiency planning, business process management, business process improvement This is the name of it. This really exciting session. That's tw- January 23rd through the 26th. Also, February 14th through the 17th, the National Servicing Conference, that is going on in uh, Gaylord. uh, But the first one is going on in La Quinta at Palm Springs, uh, the Independent IMB Conference, and then also the National Mortgage Servicing Conference in Gaylord, Texas, in Grapevine, Texas, as well as March 1st through the 4th. 
is the Mortgage Collaborative Winter Conference, and that's an Omni <laughs> in sunny, warm uh, Scottsdale. So we're grateful to have that. Also, there's an M&A conference coming up in Dallas. I'll be speaking at that one as well, actually moderating a panel of amongst a number of all the attorneys, the M&A attorneys in the industry. So very excited to be doing all that. But anyway, check out all the conferences at MBA Conference and Education Center. And while you're there, sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. Great thing to be part of. Joe Farr, good to have you on the program, friend. Hey, I'm look, looking at your screen as I do many times throughout today. Do not right. understand still how anyone runs a business without having your screens up there and looking at what's happening in real time form. I mean, nanoseconds delayed, maybe, but it's real time for as far as we're concerned. And we're seeing a little bit of a, a nice little rally here going on. What's, yeah. what's bringing yeah, this about? What? And it's yeah. ahead of Janet yeah, part of comments, it. isn't it? Right. I, in fact, she's speaking at 1230 uh, Central yeah. Time, 130 Eastern. So, um, you know, uh, we started out earlier this morning, not a lot of news to drive it. Uh, big losses last week, maybe just some of that's reversing a little bit. There was reports of uh, a, a Russian ambassador in Turkey that was shot during a speech um, that that sort of coincided with the, the little uh, increase in prices uh, that happened about 11:45 Eastern time can't go a whole lot of uh, benefit and movement to that because we've now given some of that gain back. But uh, it is interesting sometimes uh, what kinds of events can can cause price movement. That yeah. would be uh, that would be one. But today we're just we're up and that's a good thing because last week was not a good week for mortgage rates as we all know. <laughs> Wild week. Even even days like Monday and Tuesday day, there was no net change in prices uh, during Monday. You know, to, from the end of day Friday to the end of the day on on Tuesday, yet there were price changes. Uh, just volatility. You know, the midday price changes that uh, can occur, and uh, so those were were Monday and Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, you know, uh, everything kind of broke loose on Wednesday. The uh, the MBS prices fell during the day a total of 23.30 seconds on Wednesday. Uh, it it uh, started with prices improving, too. You might remember a very weak retail sales number uh, pushed MBS prices higher to start the day. But, boy, they dropped quickly as soon as the Fed statement was released. Um, yeah, and, and to be quite honest, much of the Fed statement was similar to what it's been. I mean, it was a little more hawkish, but not a whole lot. And, uh, you know, the announcement certainly was expected that they were going to raise rates. The uh, uh, the big change, though, was the uh, the idea that they might raise rates three times in 2017 yes. as opposed to two. And uh, that was enough to really drive MBS prices crazy. Um, you know, and part of that... Uh, you know, as as the Fed fund as the Fed raises the Fed's funds rate, it it obviously has some impact on the overall interest rate. You know, the yield curve kind of shifts higher, uh, but it has a, a an impact on the dollar. And to the extent that the dollar goes up as they raise rates, a couple things happen. Uh, it slows down exports, which is uh, good for. Uh, inflation fighting it makes imports cheaper which is also good for inflation fighting and you know higher borrowing costs is good for inflation fighting so you you ask yourself why with more increases are we seeing a rate rise well um, uh, you would hope that investors would see that uh, uh, the feds out there and and is doing what they need to do to keep inflation under control but uh, just to remind people that the Fed still holds $1.7 trillion worth of mortgage-backed yeah. securities. And, yeah, that's uh, amazing. They've still, yeah, and they're, they're still paying, they're still replacing what runs off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's been running off has been close to $40 billion a month. And that's a total, uh, you know, $40 billion is about what, what runs off out of their portfolio. So they buy new MBS to replace that. And the total issuance of new MBS is somewhere around 140 to 150 billion a month. But you think about the Fed's still a 25% plus participant in the market. So even though QE is not going on anymore, the Fed is still a big buyer in the market. And to the extent that they 
Well, their policy says that they'll continue to do this until normalization, this is a quote, normalization of the level of the federal funds rate is well underway. Do you know what that means? No. I'm not sure I do. That's Fed speak. That's Fed speak. <laughs> that is Fed speak. And, you know, what that does is it, it just gives the market that much more to consider as uh, uh, as the Fed moves along. And, and clearly this latest rise in rates was a step in that direction. If they have three next year, that's uh, uh, you know, steps in that direction. And clearly the quicker that they raise the Fed funds rate, the quicker uh, they'll get to a point where they stop buying MBS. Uh, at some point, they're going to start selling MBS. Of course, that's, I think, even further down the road. But anyway, it was a it was a bad, tough week, another tough week for mortgage rates, and um, uh, good to see that we're starting this week, at least on the positive side. It's a good other way thing. to start this week, yes. Go ahead, yeah. other things. Uh, there's, there's not a lot. I mean, the Bank of Japan meets uh, the overnight. They will have issued their statement and their press conference. Uh, not a lot's expected to come out of that, so I wouldn't consider that a, a big risk for when you get to the office in the morning, but it's out there. Existing home sales will come out on Wednesday, uh, new home sales on Friday. Uh, durable orders and uh, big thing core PCE on Thursday, uh, and then it's a short week. We close uh, early on Friday, and of course we're closed on Monday. So, curl close, yes, 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 yes. We will be doing a broadcast on Monday, but it'll be a pre-recorded broadcast, a Christmas broadcast. So we'll have something out there, and we'll be uh, be doing that. But anyway, Joe, thank you so much. It's good to see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, we'll check at the end of the program here to see if we're, what was happening. Uh, existing home sales number is going to be interesting. Expect, you know, I see they're expecting them to be off slightly. I think the really interesting number is going to be pending home sales. Is that coming out next week? Pending home sales. Let me look. Um, yeah, I know it's coming out here. Per, well, maybe it was re- – I'm trying to figure out. I thought it was fairly yes, close. Yes, it's, um, it's on the 28th. Uh, 28th, that's right. That, good, good, good. Because yeah. I think that's going to give us an interest, interesting – look forward into what the, the purchase market is going to look like here for most of our listeners. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be paying, I, I'm shifting kind of looking at what the pending home sales is, especially with interest rates jumping up here. Well, it's, it's more, it's a more current deal, right? Cause it's measured yeah. signed contracts. So, yep. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with all of that. But Joe, thanks so much. Great website. I love the, what you do for us on the radio. And I even love more what you do for us every day of the week. I'm in this website listeners constantly encourage you to check it out. And if you want to learn how, here, just stay tuned to this message. We're going to be right back. We've got Paul Malo on the line and Alice Alvey. they got a full lineup today. Looking forward to being back right after this brief message. Economic uncertainty has created a tremendous amount of market volatility for the past few weeks. Intraday price changes seem the rule rather than the exception. Have you been surprised by a midday price change? Have you been frustrated as you locked the loan just ahead of a price movement? Found it difficult to explain to a customer why the rate you quoted is no longer available? MBS Quoline can eliminate these frustrations. MBS Quoline monitors Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae mortgage-backed security prices in real time. It makes the information conveniently available on your desktop, smartphone, or by email or text message. These are the same prices used to set mortgage rates each morning and to issue midday price changes when significant movement occurs. With MBS Quoteline, you'll never be out of touch with the market, whether you're in the office or on the road. See for yourself what MBS Quoteline can do for you. Go to mbsquoteline.com to start a risk-free two-week trial. mbsquoteline.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. Good to have you with us, everybody. Uh, hope you're hearing me fine with that. Uh, Paul, are you here? The most important one is to hear I from am, you. Uh, I am. I'm, I'm here. Unless I get I'm beamed here. up or something by Scotty, I'm here. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you one thing I'm dialed in. Another thing I look at uh, the MBS quote line and then I'm looking at your headlines. You do a great job of covering the news. And for listeners, for those of you who are not getting the daily IMF news update, encourage you to sign up at the website, www.imfnews.com. Paul Mollo, give us a rundown of what's on the website today. Well, uh, we crunched the securitization rates for the third quarter. Probably no surprise there. Um, Excuse me. (laughs) i got marbles in my mouth. Securitization rates uh, were higher uh, in the third quarter. But listen, loan production is uh, doing quite well. Uh, Keep in mind we had something like $580 billion in originations in the uh, 
third quarter, we had 510 in the second, 380 billion in the first. So, uh, you know, no surprise there. Um, but, you know, the jumbo market's still not there. It's still there's still not heavy securitization in the jumbo market. A lot of that goes on the balance sheet of the banks. Uh, this is all stuff we know. Uh, it's not likely going to change. So that's just, you know, sort of a status quo uh, report. Uh, and that's sort of the nature of the beast these, uh, beast these days. So, uh, number two, uh, interesting take on the OMB pick, Rep. Uh, Mulvaney from uh, South Carolina, the Republican. He's uh, going to be the choice of the OMB director. Uh, I'm sure he'll be confirmed. And the question is, you know, what does it mean for Fannie and Freddie? Uh, Jared Seberg, who does uh, good work there at Cowan & Company, uh, believes that this is a bullish sign for the recap and release, so to speak, of Fannie and Freddie. Uh, keep in mind that Mulvaney introduced a bill that would basically uh, declare the preferred uh, repaid and then move forward to recapping and making Fannie and Freddie private again. Uh, I guess, you know, that's that's the take on, on this. But keep in mind, as OMB director, he's not going to be uh, involved in that process, of, you know, firsthand and directly, but he'll probably have a say in it, depending on what the administration decides to do with Fannie and Freddie. And, again, that, that's a, obviously a fascinating and very important story for the mortgage industry. From what I'm told these days, that the Trump administration probably isn't going to get around to do anything uh, with Fannie and Freddie uh, early on in the in the first year. That you'll probably start to hear stuff by mid-year, the summer, and late next year about what their plan is for Fannie and Freddie. And presumably, uh, as we know, uh, Steve Mnuchin, who's the Treasury pick, has said uh, at the top of his to-do list is resolving Fannie and Freddie. So stay tuned. Interesting stuff. Uh, Fear Loathing for FHA and VA, another Trump administration-related story by George Brooks. Uh, the government uh, back lending market is heading to a year of uncertainty, according to stakeholders. Uh, there's concerns, you know, what, what the Trump administration would do with FHA VA. Uh, you know, no one knows yet if we're going to have a premium cut. Uh, now there's, there's talk that we won't have a premium cut, and that's good for the private MI sector because presumably that business will go to Fannie, Freddie, and the MIs. So we'll see. Um, you know, uh, lots of speculation. Uh, T. Rowe Price, that's the big mutual fund company. They filed a, a, a 13 uh, SG, uh, I'm sorry, 13 GA with the SEC recently. They cut their stake in PHH down to 5% from 10.8%. That's basically a PHH stock that's holding their different mutual funds, I believe. Uh, what does it mean? Um, you know, there's probably some kind of end in sight for PHH and their taking their gains or losses or whatever off the table. Uh, there's no information on what they got in and out of the stock at. But uh, when you go from 10.8 down to 5%, that's notable. Uh, proposal's not enough to revive the not-agency MBS market. Brendan Ivey's been reporting on what's going on with the American Securitization Forum and all the talk about getting the private jumbo market going again. Uh, not a lot of uh, you know great signs there, but it, that market... Uh, and reviving the general market continues to be worked on. Uh, in the short-take section, we talk about layoffs at PHH. Uh, that's not surprising. PHH has got a servicing plan uh, upstate New York and Williamsville. Uh, they made it official. We knew when they uh, sold, uh, when HSBC sold a bunch of servicing, which was being subserviced by PHH, that that servicing facility upstate New York was probably going to be in danger. Uh, and PHH made it official late last week. They're going to close that facility eventually. There's roughly 252 workers there now. Uh, a lot are going to be let go. Some, luckily, will be offered jobs with PHH and other parts of the company. PHH is one of those companies that, you know, their future is, shall we say, um, in the wind. We're not sure what you know yeah. what they're going to do. They've lost a lot of big private label clients. They're selling servicing. Uh, it's just, you know, big question mark. The stock's held up uh, over the last six months, though. Uh, and, you know, some people call it a self-liquidation, that money will be sold, uh, the stock will be sold, assets will be sold, and at some point the shareholders will get a, a, a paycheck from the company, presumably, or a check, uh, but we don't know what that's going to be. Also, Brandon Ivey dug up a little tidbit. Uh, I didn't know this. Altasaurus Portfolio Solutions, which started out uh, as being an Aquin asset years and years ago, they apparently at uh, one time had their uh, eyes on buying uh, mortgage processor lender processing services. Uh, Fidelity National wound up buying that company. Uh, right. He dug that out of a, a court case. 
Uh, and then Mortgage Network has got a new president, James uh, Camosa is their new president. So that is all the stuff for today. I will not be in next Monday, by the way. Yes. I know you're having your, your Christmas broadcast, your holiday season broadcast. Yeah. So yes, I, we are. I won't be in on that one. You won't be. I think I, me, no one is. I, in fact, I'll be. It'll be pre-recorded. <laughs> Terry will be doing it. We're pushing the buttons to make it happen. But no, we'll all be joining family. Merry Christmas, Paul. Thank you so much for being on the program. Appreciate the affiliation association. You're a quality guy. And greet Brandon and George and John and everyone there uh, at uh, Inside Mortgage Finance. Really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having. You me. bet. You. You bet. It's always fun right. to be have you here. All right. Well, folks, we're going to be right week. back. Thank you. You have a blessed one, too. Talk to you soon, Fred. Folks, we're going to be right back after a brief, brief words. Are you using one of those expensive CRMs that your loan officers won't use? If so, then give my friends at Velma a call and let them help you create a customer journey that relies on the data and not on loan officer interaction. I encourage you to consider working with Velma to create a truly automated marketing experience for your organization. Velma makes marketing automation easy. Schedule a demo today at Velma.com, V-E-L-M-A.com. Okay, everybody, so good to have you back. We've got Alice Alvey on the tiled up. We're going to have her on just a minute. But before we do, I want to go on and talk to, I uh, want to hear a word from Simplifile. They have this electronic communications network, especially with what's going on in the market. You really need to hear this message. We'll be right back after this brief word. Simplifile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging, allowing you to track changes, send, receive, and validate documents, as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise. All of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to Simplifile.com or call our good friend Nancy Alley at 1-800-460-5657. Well, that is so true. Call Nancy. Give her a call. Great person, good company, and someone else who's just wonderful to have on the program. It's Alice Alvey. Alice, good to have you. Merry Christmas. Appreciate you dialing in from cold Michigan State. But it's is it, is it purely cold, or is it? Do you still use the cold the, the term pure Michigan when it's this kind of temperatures up there? <laughs> we do because you know it's a beautiful white Christmas up here. We've had a couple good snowstorms and. Uh, but it's, it can all melt in uh, January 2nd for all of us. We'll be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> if it could, Except good, for the yeah. ski resorts, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Anyway, Mary good to have you. What you got for an update? Yeah. Yeah. Good, uh, good to have, have you here, Al. So give us the update. Okay, great. Thank you. So for everybody here, just I uh, have quite a few things here. I want to just make sure we get a chance real quickly to touch on so the CFPB data to their consumer credit trends, I recommend um, everybody checking this out and getting your hands on this little two-page handout that they made, um, especially from the sales side, because I do find it, it's got some great information in it. It's a new tool that they've put out there. Um, it shows you what the credit score trends are, geographic trends. I mean, obviously, everybody's aware of the huge volume jump we had year over year from last October to this October. It's just it's a new tool. It's at their um, CFPB website. If you just um, Google Consumer Credit Trends for CFPB 2016, it should come up for you. And there's a neat little two-page handout you can include. I find it challenging as a salesperson sometimes if you say, you know, my customer just doesn't have good credit or their credit invisible. What can they? What can I give them, something tangible, so that I don't have to become a credit coach? Uh, this is a nice little handout you can make sure consumers are aware of and, and hand that out um, as part of a nice little kind of sales support process. I'm going to always say check with your company first before you do anything like that so all customers are treated fairly and getting all the same handouts. <laughs> so, uh, That's good. There. Yeah, so that just came out on the 16th. Um, also uh, that came out on the 16th, HUD issued new policies for DE test cases. Uh, for any company looking to move to FHA and having their own DE, we're getting a lot of calls on this. As volume changes, people go, okay, I better retool my FHA product. FHA is going to switch to having that the test cases are done post-closing. Now, they did this in response to a lot of lenders saying this is a challenge to try and have 
HUD look at a case, underwrite it pre-closing. It can delay the closing by anywhere from days to a couple weeks. And so they are formally changing their full DE test case process to be where you will close a loan in your test case phase on anything that's been where you've been uh, authorized to move forward with your test cases after April 1st of 2017. And HUD will look at the test case post-closing. So if you've made a significant error, you've got a bit of a challenge because you've got to close the loan. So uh, we recommend some excellent training and consulting that we, of course, can provide you to make sure that you don't find yourself in that situation. But it, it really takes HUD out of, the ball, out of the mode of being a total trainer for you during that test case phase. And I think that's fair. You know, on their part, they shouldn't be having to really – carry that burden at that point. Um, so take a look at that mortgage e-letter for any of you who are looking at picking up on your FHA um, authority. A couple other things that came up, um, Fannie Mae issued their D day one certainty at the beginning of December and buried in one of their selling um, notifications was disclosure of information to appraisers. So this is the Fannie Mae selling guide update that came out on December 6th. And we noticed a little component in there that I want to make sure lenders are fully aware of how to handle this. So there's a paragraph on page three of this memo. It says disclosure of information to appraisers. So we oftentimes have the appraisals, um, appraiser goes out to the house, gives you a full report, and then maybe you learn about an amendment to the seller concessions. Or maybe the appraisal comes in low, and now you have to go back and renegotiate the contract until you get a new contract. There are differences between what Fannie and Freddie want and what USPAP requires in terms of how to handle the next steps. So make sure you fully understand that Fannie and Freddie are saying if the contract is amend amended in a way that affects the description of the real property, so for example, maybe it changes the legal description, then you must provide um, a new appraisal. And when you say to the appraiser, I need a new report, that's a new scope of work and a new fee. So that's the issue here. The issue is, am I going to get charged again? Is it a new scope of work for my appraiser? Fanny goes on to say that if then you are only changing closing costs or you're just changing the price, you're not changing the description of the property, then you're just simply going to have the appraiser potentially make just a, a note to the appraisal that they have acknowledged this new information. But you can't ask the appraiser to do a new report without triggering a new fee. <clears throat> There's some great information we can send you about the difference between USAP and Fannie Mae rules so you can avoid a fee. But when the lender is saying, I need a new report, guess what? You're going to get charged a fee, and the appraisers have the right to do that with a new scope of work. Um, so we're happy to help folks understand the difference in the dynamics um, and avoid those extra appraisal fees, but, you know, understanding where the appraiser is for use that. So that's my report for today, Dave. Just wanted to give folks a quick update on that little tidbit we found in there that you have. There's a balancing act still. Don't be more conservative than Fannie or Freddie is in that policy because you could end up incurring additional fees for your borrowers. That's a good point. Very good point. Thank you, Alice. Good job. Always love getting the updates from the person who stays and keeps her finger on the pulse of everything happening, especially with all that stuff, reads the stuff that why go read it all when you could just tune into the Licking on Lending program. Listen to Alice Alvey on the update that she provides us. Good stuff, Alice. Really appreciate it so Thank much. You. We're going to be, you do an awesome job. We're going to be right back with Sam Garcia, the profit doctor. And uh, then we have our hot topic guest, Casey Crawford, president of Movement Mortgage. We're going to be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. The Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA, John Robbins and David Kittle, and leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry, Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The Collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. 
In a relationship-driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to mortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Swarbinski at 440-552-0691. The power of the network. And it is a good network, everybody. Good to have you with us, everybody. We've got Sam Garcia of Mortgage Daily on the line with us, giving us another update from another angle of the industry. God, it has some great data on his website. Sam, good to have you here, bud. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. Um, I know you're talking about uh, you're talking with Casey Crawford later. Um, I wanted yes. to give you some data that Movement Mortgage has provided as part of the Mortgage Daily Origination Survey. Um, since it was founded in 2008, they've grown their staff to nearly 4,000 people. I mean, that's huge, you know. That's a significant <laughs> staff they got over there. And they originated nearly $8 billion in mortgages last year. And just during the first nine months of this year, uh, production came to $9 billion. So pretty yeah. solid there, too. Um, we put out our mortgage market index last week, um, which is a reflection of open close rate lock volume, and that was down 2%. Um, even though purchase financing activity climbed 8% from the prior week, there was a 15% drop in refinances, so that more than offset the rise in purchases. But um, one interesting fact, uh, which was interesting because I heard Paul mention earlier how, about jumbo securitizations kind of being weaker, um, jumbo business surged last week. It was up 16%. So um, the open close people provided some you know, information about what they thought, why that was, but we'll see if that continues. Um, that report that Alice mentioned that came out from the CFPB, um, it indicated that originations totaled $243 billion in just October, and that was up 70% from a year earlier. Um, and one, the state that really topped out all other states was Colorado. Businesses uh, soared 113% there from a year earlier. So um, it'll be interesting to watch that report and get the monthly numbers. I like that. Um, we, of course, normally get quarterly numbers. Um, FHFA reported that GSE refinances fell to less than 244 transactions in October from nearly 251,000 in September. And that September number was the highest that had been around since October 2013. Um, and, you know, this is just the beginning of a downward spiral for refinances as we see rates uh, start to escalate or have seen them already escalate. Um, but, you know, I wanted to kind of address a host of economic reports I've been reading and that suggest purchase financing could fall up next year. Um, I want to say I disagree with that. Um, you know, rates plummeted following the financial crisis, but we didn't see home sales go up because of that. And, you know, during my time in Southern California in the early 80s, real estate values soared. And that was yeah. at a time when rates were at, you know, double-digit levels. So um, this kind of just shows that home sales really do move independently of interest rates. And I believe higher rates actually accompany, you know, uh, better economic uh, sentiment by consumers. And just like they'll spend more when they feel better about the economy, they'll be more eager to purchase a home. So, um, you know, one other factor that really plays in here, too, is that, you know, as I've previously mentioned, lenders and investors that, you know, as they're losing refinance volume, some are going to look to justify, you know, their inflated infrastructures by easing credit conditions and loosening credit standards. Um, and that'll help to do more purchase business that might not have been done in a more robust environment like we've had. Um, and in fact, I just saw a ratings agency report that said exactly that, so kind of confirming uh, what I believe there. Um, MyTech put out a uh, prediction that millennials will originate more than $30 billion worth of mortgage wow. applications through the mobile channel next year. So I thought that was kind through of an interesting prediction. Through the mobile channel, interesting. Through the interesting. mobile channel. It's it's kind of hard to believe that you know you can use your fingers and thumbs on a little device like that and actually get through <laughs> that kind of a process. But um, you know, with a lot of the electronic verification, so much of that information uh, you know just pops right in there uh, that you don't have to do quite as much, I guess, um, when yeah. you're uploading documents and so forth. But we'll see how if that comes to be. Uh, one other story um, we're still working on. We'll publish shortly. Jerry Shiano has launched a new company. It's called Spring that. EQ. Um, that new company will focus on home equity loans. And Jerry, who I've known for more than two decades, has a you know pretty good background in subprime lending. <laughs> he 
He founded Wilmington Finance, which was ultimately sold to AIG. Um, he previously worked at Conti, uh, which yeah, is where I met right, him. Adam. You know, yeah. I sold him you know, millions of dollars in mortgages uh, back when the, the subprime business was big in the early 90s. And most notably, though, of course, he is currently the president and CEO of New Penn Financial. And that's a job he'll keep concurrently with his new role at a Spring EQ. So, um uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. But his subprime background really does fit in well with HEL, you know, home equity loans, because um, yep, HELs used to be, you know, a big a big part of the, the subprime industry. In fact, I yep, think HCL's it was the, the the trade group that represented the subprime industry until the, basically disappeared in 2007. I think it was something right. like the National Home Equity Association, because that yep. was just such a big part it. of what they did. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting to see what's going on. Yeah, Jerry's – I always track Jerry's – I've known him for like you have for decades. He and his company, we were part, uh, we were both bought by uh, Conti at, the, at one time. So it's interesting to hear and see what's going on. I always say he's the luckiest guy in the place. Like he said, I'd rather be lucky than smart. He says, I've been more lucky than I have been smart. But I, I think he's both lucky and smart. Blessed and Yeah, he's smart. He's smart. And I remember those days with Conti, and we had industry mortgage. And <laughs> it was just oh, crazy. Yeah. That, you know, we were selling loans at 13 14% over, know. you know, what the principal balance was because the times were so crazy. different back then. Crazy. Yeah, we never go back to those days. Those are some bad. It brings back some just chilling moments. Yeah, it's a Christmas. It's the the ghost of Christmas past. And there you go. You brought up the the Christmas, <laughs> the ghost of Christmas past. So, yeah, well, I also did touch on the future too. So give me credit for that. Huh? Yeah, you did touch on the future in a, in a in a healthy perspective. So good job. And you gave some statistics on our uh, the guest, uh, the president of the guest. Uh, the mortgage company, ever guess, Casey Crawford's company, Mobile Mortgage. That's, that's great. Yeah, they're funding at a billion dollars a month right now. So it's wild. So wild, good stuff. Anyway, friend, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you. If you want to learn more, go to mortgagedaily.com or get a hold of Sam at 214 521 1300. Appreciate you, Sam. Merry Christmas. Look forward to yeah, seeing you. Yeah, I hope you have a good here. Christmas too, my friend. Yeah, going out to Minnesota and whew, that chilly up there is. 25 <laughs> below where I'm where we're going in my hometown, Minnesota. The other day. So it's going to be chilly. So anyway, it's good to have you with us, Sam. We'll look forward to having you back. All right. Talk next year. All right, friend. You bet. You know, the folks at ArchMI have a great product. It's called the Rate Star Program. So let's get Jim Jump on the phone to hear a little bit about that. And then we're going to be back with the Profit Doctor right after this brief break. Hi, David. Thanks for having me on, and we're happy to be a proud sponsor of the program. And today I'd like again to talk about RateStar from Arch Mortgage Insurance. RateStar is a revolutionary tool that allows mortgage originators to dynamically price mortgage insurance and match coverage to ArchMI's most competitive rates. And that's important because it allows you to compete more effectively, qualify more borrowers, and of course close more loans. That's the power of RateStar. Originators from around the country are letting us know just how quick and easy RateStar is to use. And all you need is your NMLS number and you can access RateStar anywhere, anytime using multiple points of entry including most LOS systems, product and pricing engines, and through our websites at archmi.com and archmicu.com for credit unions. And of course it's available through our mobile app for smartphones and tablets. RateStar makes it easy to choose what type of mortgage insurance coverage your loan needs. You just touch, tap, and go. Quotes are delivered in seconds and represent our most competitive ArchMI rates based on the strength and quality of the loan application. And I have to tell you, David, getting a mortgage insurance quote has never been so powerful or so simple. And with that, I'll turn it back over to you and say thanks. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. Appreciate it, Jim Jump who is Arch, Mortgage, Arch M. Mortgage Insurance's Chief Marketing Officer. Appreciate the partnership with them very much. Profit Doctor, always fun to have you on. Having hey, both you and Casey Crawford on brings back so many wonderful memories of us together when we uh, were working with them. And uh, excited to get your perspective as uh, I know you've made a huge difference in uh, Movement Mortgage's uh, success track early on. And so it's good to have you on. Some wisdom. And by the way, Merry Christmas to you and Teresa and the whole family. Well, thanks, Dave, and Merry Christmas to you as well. Exciting, you feel as like we always. can start saying that again. Isn't that amazing? I know President-elect said it's okay to say Merry Christmas, so there you go. I like saying Merry yes. Christmas. Me too. Um, well, it's such a delight to have Casey Crawford on the show. You know, he's he's just such an amazing man with just a, a an incredible life story all the way back through yeah. the University of Virginia up through the NFL and then 
as a very successful businessman and mortgage banker, an yeah. incredible speaker. I mean, he's just he's just gifted in every respect. In addition to having a loving family and a, amazing kids, and he's just yeah. you know, it just is. a white picket fence as far as it goes. <laughs> yeah, um, and then. We're closing a bit of a month. You know, there's some more stories, be back stories on that. We'll look forward to hearing about those. So, but uh, oh, nothing's me, easy, and you know, nothing's, nothing's easy. And while we we are, consider ourselves blessed for the opportunities that we have, and we take advantage of those to the best of our ability, it's not easy. It's a hard, yeah. hard challenge to get to a thriving, successful business. And you know, he deserves he deserves all the credit that he won't accept <laughs> for you know, the no. success. Yeah, so um, that's what I like. Find your true leaders. They, they don't accept. They always push it out. So give us some tools and tips that you, as we go into the new year, Profit Doctor, that you think should be in the foremost part of everyone's mind as we as we go into the new year? Well, first, let's talk about right at the end here. Uh, we're about to end 2016. I'm, I'm, I'm in my cycle of teaching CPAs so they get their classes down uh, to prepare to audit mortgage companies. And Part of that is year-end planning. So year-end planning includes financial planning for your business, financial planning personally, um, making those deductions through making a contribution so you have a deductible event. You know, it needs to show having cleared your personal bank statement to be counted by the IRS. You can't backdate W-2s. So there's a lot of stuff that has to happen (laughs) in the next 11, 12 days. The last payroll run is December the 30th, so now's the time to get your last-minute tax planning done, make sure everything is buttoned up and ready to go. And then one of the things Sam said is that just because rates are up doesn't mean the volume has to drop. And he gave one correlation about when the housing uh, market crashed. And and while I think you, you can't argue with the fact that affordability goes down when rates go up because payments go up, that doesn't mean the volume has to go down. Volume can actually go up, as Sam was mentioning. I just got Sam's email saying, hey, don't forget to renew your subscription to the Mortgage Daily, so you've got to be sure and take care of that. But the main point I want to make, Dave, is it's it's about process. It's about action will drive results. Activity in action, doing the right things at the right time, That's right. will drive results. So even though we have a downturn, a anticipated downturn in volume as rates rise and will continue to climb a bit, that doesn't mean volume has to drop. It just That's means right. we've got to get out there and hustle and get our, our fair share of our market share, preserving market share, expanding market share, providing great service to our customers and great service to our originators who are the face of the business. So um, that's it, Dave. That's, I mean, I want to hear what Casey has to say. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna go ahead I'm looking forward to it. Well, without further ado, we are going to bring Casey Crawford on the line here. I'm going to turn on his mic right now. I just as, as that's going on, I just want to introduce our audience. Many of you know and are aware of Movement Mortgage and the success, rapid, fast-growing success that Sam talked about earlier. Started in 2008. Casey is the co-founder and CEO of Movement Mortgage. He, he works closely with another very close friend. In fact, when Casey introduced me to Toby Harris, he says, Dave, here is your brother from another another mother and boy has he did he nail it we had Tobe and I have become such dear friends we appreciate it but they have now over nearly 4,000 employees that's an astounding number of people he's a former tight end for the Carolina Panthers Super Bowl champion uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers talk about that team coming back to ah, Dallas inched one out on them last you know here on Sunday but uh, it just uh, but anyway he lives in Charlotte North Carolina he's a good friend someone that I admire And the reason I've invited Casey to come here is because of what he is doing to give back. And it's not just doing it at Christmas. This is a person that lives 12 months out of the year, 52 weeks out of the year, looking for ways to give back to his community and to those less fortunate. Please welcome to the microphone and to the program, Casey Crawford. Casey, good to have you here, my friend. 
Dave, man, this is this is fantastic. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's, really, it's really fun. I'm, I was listening to the interview of you and Maria Bartiroma, and she just kept going back over it. She said, this is an amazing story. And you were there to talk about the economy. She goes, this is just an amazing story. Tell me, how did you start? How did you start? How did you get from this? And it was just a really fun interview. For those that don't want, don't know it, go to the Fox Business Channel on their website and uh, watch it. It's up there. It's a, it's a great interview. But it's it really is an amazing success story Casey and a lot of people you know I think that uh, they hear that we've known each other and we were there at the beginning of the days always say what is the key to his success and so we want to talk a little bit about that but why does movement approach giving differently than many others you truly do you I mean everyone I think everyone every talk to any CEO they all say well we like to give back and we give to our community we do that but you seem to do it in Mm -hmm. a different way what what's where did that all begin? This was in you, I think, way before. What where did this start? No, that 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 that's good. Listen, I I, I want to make sure I give uh, you guys a uh, a huge plug here and tell the full story because uh, I'd, <laughs> I'd be remiss uh, not not to give credit where credit's due. I uh, actually I think on Maria Bartiromo a few years ago she did a story about me googling how to start a mortgage bank. This is true. I typed into Google how to start a mortgage bank. And uh, you came walking out on screen, right, Dave? Remember that she comes walking yeah. out on screen and says, hey, I can help you get in the mortgage business. And I, I picked up and called you, and you go, oh, man, you haven't even begun. You haven't even started. i got to get you on the phone with Andy because Andy's the, Andy's the guy that you know, put your, book, your books in order and everything, man. So truly, um, you guys were there from, from before the inception. Uh, you were there when this was just kind of a, uh, an idea and a hope and a vision. And I think you, your question is a great one, you know, why do you guys give and how do you think about that? And, I, you know, I'd say I think today I hope the same thing I shared with you eight years ago when I called you that first time. It, it really comes from a, a worldview. And, and, man, I just want to encourage um, any, any, anyone that's on this call and anyone that's listening on here, I mean, we need more founder-owner entrepreneurs in this space. We, we need yes, more we guys putting their unique DNA, their unique fingerprints on this business um, because customers need to be served and need to be served in new and different ways. And, oh, wait, that's kind of – what I saw is, is that, man, I said the, 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 the fundamentally the mortgage market wasn't serving the American public with excellence. And, um, you know, my worldview kind of around that was, was that, man, I've been a, a follower of Jesus my whole life, really tried to study yeah, his teachings and his philosophies. And I said, you know, what, what does that look like? How, how, do, how did Jesus' teachings inform me as I look at a broken industry and think about stepping into it? And uh, I've told this story before, but as a former football player, you know, I, I appreciate cliff notes. Okay, University of Virginia. I was helped out by some cliff notes, and uh, you know, one one line that I go back to a lot, I think, where Jesus gave us some cliff notes to summarize a lot of scripture. The compliance department, right, came to him at one point and said, "Hey, tell me the most important law the CFPB has ever put out." Now they said, "You know, hey, what's the most important commandment God ever gave us?" And I said, "Hey, it's this. It's this. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The second is like it: love your neighbor as yourself." You do these two things, and you do well. Sums up all the laws, all the prophets. And yeah. so kind of with those two simple edicts to inform my worldview, kind of look at the mortgage space and go, you know, how do we approach this space with, with a view to love and honor God and love and honor our fellow man, our neighbor, as ourselves? And um, that's, that's really what led to that first conversation and call with you, Dave, to say, hey, how do we put together a mortgage bank to do things a little bit differently? Because at the time, the mortgage industry was not known for how well it had loved the American people, the industry. Yep. Um, it wasn't known for that kind of thing. And so we wanted, to, we wanted to run towards a problem, right? We wanted to walk into a problem and solve that problem. And um, giving was really just a small part of that. You know, we really talked about investing, but we said, you know, fundamentally, we want to love our borrowers well, our customers well. And we think that's just an incredibly intimate relationship we have with an American family when they lay out all their financial picture and all their hopes and all their dreams for what they want to accomplish in home ownership and what they want to see have happen there. And, and really they're laying out all their um, you know, financial mistakes <laughs> as, well as, mm-hmm. as well as successes and their hopes and dreams. And so we just think that's an, just an incredibly powerful time we have to help them structure what's probably going to be Good the largest asset. Yeah. yeah, and the largest debt in, in their life. And that's just a great chance to love them and care for them and to pour into their life. And we also believe, man, we have an incredible opportunity with our team members. You know, we provide um, employment. For now, we, you know, we're, we're actually about 4,500 folks. And, wow. Um, so, you know, it, we, when it was just four, though, man, when it was just four, Dave, right, we tried to ask, man, how do we love and care for one another well? Like, how do we look back 40 years from now and go, man, 
I just uh, I'm, I'm proud of the way we tried to love and care for the people that were part of our organization, part of our community. Um, and then we said, man, if we do a good job at those first two things, we're going to create profit. And that profit is an opportunity for us to love and care for our communities well. And we really don't think about it so much as generosity as much as a, um, a stewardship, just kind of a responsibility as a piece of what we've been entrusted with, with, with our company, with our community, and then with our profits, to love and care for our neighbors. So we don't say, I mean, we, I, don't, I don't think I would certainly not categorize myself as generous. I'm, I'm not generous. I think my, my, oh, my granddad my was generous. My granddad was really a generous guy. I remember he worked three jobs, and wow. on the weekends I'd help him take cars apart. You know, and he'd sell those parts to go to yard sales to pick up clothes for folks at church. And, and wow. he, he didn't have anything. You know, he didn't have anything. He was, he was giving from DNA. a place of need. Yeah, he was giving from a place of need. I don't give from a place of need. I'm, I'm really – I'm giving out of excess. I'm giving out of profits. And um, so we really think about just you know, the word stewardship and investing. I said, man, at some point I'm going to go stand before God, and he's going to ask me, you know, how did you love your neighbor as you love yourself? Mm, like, love love so your neighbor as you love yourself. Right, not not, not <laughs> as you love out, out of your leftovers, not as you love out of you know a three percent or ten percent of like whatever's left over after you've accomplished everything you want to have happen. How do you love those in need as you love yourself, as you would have loved your own kids? Well, you know, and that's really on street. And that's a great place. I want to get into how are you doing that. I want I'm you and I are Facebook friends. I see all you're doing around the world and in other countries. I want to talk about that, but I want to start. What are you doing literally in the communities here in America? And uh, I love the thing that you talked about when you talked about bar- love it on the borrowers, because sometimes we see borrowers are seen as, well, you are the objective to the end. of So I'll get you a house, but I really want the mission off this thing, or I want to get mm-hmm. the income of it. You, re- you really are focusing on helping borrowers get into the right home and doing that. But you're also giving back to your communities. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great question, a great kind of tension in this space. Guys would go, well, why don't you just give loans for free, right? Like if you really want to love and care for borrowers, why don't you give them for free? And I talk about, <laughs> I talk about you know, love and care for a borrower the way you would a family member, right? So I, I, we think about structuring our transaction, our process, the way we want one of our family. And I have, I have one, one sibling, it's a little sister, and I always use my little sister as an example. So if my little sister was getting a loan with us, how would I want that experience to be? And, I, and, and so that's one of the reasons we have a, a 6 seven, one process where we have a six-hour upfront underwrite, a seven-day process, one day to close, where we go, we want to tell the, our borrowers upfront how much they can six, afford. Could you repeat that six one more time? Six-hour underwrite. Really? So six hours after loan submission, we, we have an underwrite process that we put our borrowers through, and we're at 78% of our loans this month were underwritten inside six hours. Um, wow. We think that's the right way to handle borrowers because yeah. we think fundamentally you should know how much you can afford before you start shopping for this house. Yeah, we have, I think we've done it backwards in our industry for a long time, right? We, have, we put you through the entire process. We get right to the end, and then we throw the file to an underwriter and go, man, I hope we didn't miss anything. Hope we didn't miss anything. You know? <laughs> or we'd have a hope and dream shattered. And, yeah. you know, that, 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 that's not how we want to treat folks. We, we think we should invest up front in having their loan file reviewed by a fully empowered credit decision-making underwriter. Up front, we think it's the right way to treat folks. Uh, and then we want to process their loan quickly, too, right? I mean, that's, that's what I want yes. my little sister yeah. to experience. That's what I want to yep. experience. That's what we want our borrowers to experience. And then finally, we think we want to try to extend credit to folks who can afford it. You know, so right. that does mean sometimes taking a chance on people. You know, we're, we're, we're betting on them, and we're hoping that they're, they're going to be able to make it. But it also means sometimes saying no, you know, saying no yep. and, and telling people, hey, you shouldn't, you shouldn't spend this much because I wouldn't want to put my little sister in debt that would become a burden to her and her family, right? So that's kind yep. of our perspective on, on you know, borrowers, and that leads to profit then. You kind of go – you know, in order to be here next year to serve you, in order to continue to be an asset to this community, we have to generate a profit. We have to create a profit. We have to bring enough value to the marketplace that the marketplace rewards us with profit. <clears throat> and you know, the question for us is yeah, what we great. do with that profit, how we steward it. Yes. And that's so, some of the things you were mentioning. You know, and I'd, I'd be glad to talk about them. But yeah, I'll say this please. Just to say, like, you know, everyone's going to approach this 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 topic differently, and I think everyone's kind of uniquely gifted and called to serve in different ways. So we've just tried to, again, take that Good Samaritan approach where we meet needs that we see and then we feel equipped to um, solve. And so, you know, we, we, we do a few things. We have one, one deal where a lot of companies do kind of matching gifts all throughout the co- country. And we, we really do right. say to guys, hey, you're our best ambassadors in the city. And we want, we want to amplify generosity. Um, so we want to be amplifiers of generosity. So we'll match any employee. Um, we've had employees give $50,000. We just did a match for uh, last what? Uh, last month, actually, yeah, an employee gave fifty thousand dollars to an organization. We matched it for fifty. Um, we matched about a million dollars of giving this year, kind of around the country. 
Um, we had, we had our, out in Phoenix, Arizona, we raised 253,000 water bottles for um, you know, those incredible summers out there. We matched it with a $150,000 donation to the Phoenix Rescue Mission. We, did a, um, we just put $10 million into a charter school that I'll mention in a moment. We, um, we have a community center. For folks in need, where it was a homeless shelter, it helps for folks that are situationally homeless. Um, it's called the Movement Center. We have about five different synergistic organizations working inside that uh, community center to, to help folks. We, we did 40,000 pounds of food at Thanksgiving. We did $100,000 for Toys for Tots with the Marines to give things. But those were kind of our matching programs. But I think more fundamentally, you know, we see ourselves as understanding real estate. Yes. And we kind of said, you know, there's, we have to have both a reactive and a proactive approach to suffering. Um, the reactive approach is, man, when you see somebody drowning, you, 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 don't, you don't start calling out to them um, swim, swim, swim stroke instructions, right? You, you throw them a lifeline. Like they're, yes. they're drowning. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't want yeah. to sign up at the YMCA for swim lessons. So you have to be reactive to suffering. So we have a huge problem with child homelessness here in Charlotte, and we want to be reactive to that and pro- provide some immediate infrastructure to solve that. We also have, Charlotte was just ranked 50 out of 50 cities for upward mobility in the United States. We're kids born into poverty. Um, were unable to transition out of poverty in their lifetime. And so we said we have to have some proactive approaches and, and um, initiatives to address some of these problems. So as we think about loving our communities well, we, we kind of thought about what do we do well. We said we own real estate. We understand real estate at a high level. So we purchased a Kmart shopping center, and we're transforming the uh, vacant Kmart now into a charter school. We modeled it after a great charter school that has 1,500 kids, 98% minority, 98% at or below the poverty line, and they're having a three times the academic performance of their demographic wow. peers. So we, took, we actually funded their high school. Then we took um, a, some, a core leadership group from that school, and they are our, our leadership committee for the new movement charter school that's going to really look to serve that same target demographic to change this problem of upward mobility in Charlotte and really start loving and caring for some of these kids that have been historically left behind um, in Charlotte. So that's kind of our proactive approach to that. It's, you know, everybody's called, I think, to do different things, I think, but unquestionably we're all called to do something. Well, I've got a question that someone who knows you just texted me, and I suspect uh, that, well, no, this, no, this is a good, this is a great question. And it says a lot of people are listening to this. Go well, I could give two if I was funding a billion dollars a month. And it did. I mean, it's, here's the thing. I know you. I know what your lifestyle was before. And you, well, yeah, he was an NFL football player. He made great money. Yeah. It started in your heart a long yeah. time before you had anything. Talk about those early days, Casey, because if you don't have, if you don't give when you got a buck, you're not going to give when you have a million bucks to give. And I believe there's something in you, and I I think people quickly dismiss those that have attained success and then are giving. They're going, well, they they got it, they can give it. So talk about that. What was the the genesis of that? I mean, your faith, we started our faith together, but what was the thing? Why why did you do that? Why? Yeah. You know, I, I, it, it's a great question. I think you're hitting it on the head, Dave. I mean, it was a matter of kind of, I think, faith and worldview and just wanting to, to, to live a consistent life. I, I, I get personally really frustrated with Christians, particularly. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of guys do a lot of talking about Christianity, but, but their lives don't look much like I see Jesus' life looking. Yeah. And, you know, as I kind of study Scripture, I said, man, Lord, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess this up and I'm gonna do it very imperfectly, but I, I really would like to make an attempt to um, live in a manner that was honoring to Jesus. And, yeah. and follow some of these very simple directions he gave us. And, and I think that's the dangerous and scary thing about saying you want to follow Jesus is it's actually not as complicated as we try to make it. So when he says things like love your neighbor as you love yourself, I think when you start to translate that, it leads to some really simple decisions. And, yes, most folks will never have the opportunity. I think you know, I've had a, the incredible privilege um, of, of, of giving in, in ways that probably exceeds anyone in the history of my family. Like if we put all that together – but but it, it, like you said, that's not really the heart of it, and that's not really what I think we're being judged on. What's really important? I think my grandfather was much more generous than, than, than I am. Yeah, um, it, and, it, and this, exactly. did, this was a commitment at an early, you know, at early at the beginning of the company before it even started to say, "This is God. This is yours, and I just want to be a good steward of it. We just want to take care of it well and honor yeah. you with it." So we were giving from day one in the company. We made made a commitment that at least twelve percent of all the profits were going out into the community every year. Mm-hmm. And I began sequentially gifting 
um, ownership into the company into a not-for-profit foundation. Um, so now we have about half the company into a, uh, a foundation, and we give a lot through that foundation as well. And we kind of have a tier. You know, we, we give, we pay taxes, and then we increase our balance sheet. Um, I, you know, my wife and I, we're, we're really we're super blessed. We still live in a $225,000 house that I bought, you know, 14 years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. She, yeah, she drives a Tahoe, and I got one too. And it's, I mean, we're and we're thrilled, man. We got we got two yeah. beautiful girls, and more than yeah. enough. And, and man, just 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 you know, feel really you, yeah privileged. I want I want to give a shout out to Michelle too because she's a CrossFit champion and she is real competitive like you are. And but she also then donated all this equipment for the inner city to help, uh, if I understand homeless people, people <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah, she outfit the Charlotte rescue mission with their you know, entire CrossFit box. Now she, te- she trains down there, teaches those guys. These are guys recovering addicts that were homeless, situationally homeless because of addiction. And she started a CrossFit program down there. And yeah, she, no, I'm, I married Jeez. a superwoman, so. <laughs> she did. She, she, is, yeah. she may be petite, but, man, she is ripped. Oh, I just love it. But you're go. also doing no things doubt. in other parts of the country. And then what I want to do is we wrap this up. I want to turn it over to Andy, Alice, and Joe to shoot some quick questions in there uh, to you. Shoot. But you're also making a difference internationally. And I want to talk yeah. about uh, – you met – if I recall correctly, in front of our conversation, we text a lot. But you were talking to me about what you're doing in Africa. You met with one of the presidents of the nations over there and providing microfinance as well as other things. If you could talk just briefly about that. Yeah, sure. So, again, it's kind of meeting needs where you are. We, our executive team took an incredible trip to Africa. I encourage anybody on this to, to do that, expand your horizons. We went to Africa and we went to Uganda where the average wage was $1.85 and unemployment was over 80%. Wow. And we, we, we really looked at that situation. And, again, we said, hey, man, how has God equipped us to meet a need, to meet hurt and meet suffering? And, you know, we, we, we think we have some pretty good business skills. We're pretty good at scale. We're pretty good at modeling. And we saw an incredible opportunity to buy a farm over there. So a lot of folks do subsistence farming. And we yeah. met some partners, and we just bought a 1,200-acre farm about two miles from the Nile River. Um, we're going to practice sustainable organic farming on there. It's about two hours south of Sudan, where there's incredible famine, incredible hunger. So we hope our customers, in this sense, are going to be those that would eat the uh, organic, sustainable food that we're going to be growing. We're going to be able to create employment for a country that has over 85% unemployment. And then out of the profits, we're going to build a school and build churches and build community centers in that region that really lack infrastructure. So we're really looking to take the movement model of love our borrowers, love our team members, and love our communities and replicate that in a farm in Uganda. So we actually have a team going over there next month to uh, start to construct some of the buildings. I mean, we're already, they're already plowing fields and <laughs> um, getting, getting the first crops laid. So it's pretty incredible. I love it. I love it. It's time flies so fast, but let's just run over to Andy. Start with Andy, then we'll go to Alice and Joe. Then uh, Andy, I know you're listening to this. You're just shaking your head, going, "It's just so much fun to hear someone who understands this principle." It's such an amazing opportunity to have met Casey years ago. Uh, so Casey, I have a here's, here's a question for you. So you've got this amazing franchise that you've built, and you've got this core commitment to the way you live your life from your own personal values. And, and some of that is implemented through your company, through others. So how do you effectively get buy-in from a team of 4,500 people to mm. uh, share your vision? <laughs> so, Andy, I mean, this is a, that is a great question. And, and I'll tell you, man, the, again, the answers are probably frustratingly simple. But we really just talk about being genuine and authentic with people and, and, and finding folks who want to invest their life in a similar way. Uh, I've just said it a million times. We talk to you guys a lot about, like, I'm, I'm about to finish my 30s, right? I will never get this decade back, never. <laughs> and I just said, man, you know, I want to be able to look back on this decade and say, Lord, I invested it well. Like, man, I'm, 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 you know, it was imperfect, but I'm, I'm proud. I'm happy with the way I invested it. And we talk with team members about, hey, if – you know, find, you only get to live your life once. You only get to do this one time. Find a place that has a purpose that you're passionate about. You know, fi- find an organization, a community with a purpose that you're passionate about. If you're, if you're not, and if you're not passionate in movement, man, please leave. Please leave and go find an institution where you have passion because you only get to invest your life once, and I don't want you doing it here if you don't have a passion for our purpose. And the, the, the second part of that is I think the organization itself has to have a purpose beyond profit. You just do profit is just not a purpose. It's not one that wakes awesome. folks up in the morning. It so should be a result. That's where I challenge a lot of these PE backed companies and, and you know yeah. public companies. When your only profit is purpose, you, you, you're not going to have a lot of cultural enthusiasm. <laughs> yep, that's, that's right. so exactly. true. That's great. 
great words, Casey. Thank you. Alice, you've listened to this discussion, and uh, I'd love to have you jump in. Alice, uh, she's on mute. She's scrambling to get the mute button off there. Hopefully she's still with <laughs> <laughs> Alice, we may have lost Alice in the lineup here, but uh, Andy, can I Joe, have a little more hard one? Uh, Andy, or let's see, run, Joe. Do you have a question here, real quickly? Yeah, well, I, more a comment, and and what I've heard is just fantastic, and and I was fortunate to come from a company that didn't go as far as you have, Casey, but was very much into giving as a group, and uh, there is a lot of pride felt in those who. I'm sure, are, are in your company, in the company, and not to say anything selfish here, but the 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 benefit that the company has from having that much pride in it has got to be a good thing. Yeah. Mm, mm, thanks. I, I, I hope we we really talk about really hoping that we're, we're building a community that really loves and cares for one another. Well, you know, with excellence, man. We're we're, we're celebrating, you know, family lifestyle um, milestones together. You know, and that we're. I can go to, you know, one of our sales guys, kids' graduations or marriages, and, and man, like, hold my head up high because they said, man, you, you didn't rob me of my dad. My, my dad was better because he was a part of that organization. He wasn't, you know, wasn't that he was gone or wasn't this kind of story where he was torn down. So um, we, we really take a lot of, um, put a lot of, you know, intentionality around being a, a healthy community that loves and cares for one another well. Yeah, yeah, it is created a culture within your company i've been through your office anyone who ever gets a chance to go into your office and you've moved into new facilities here too have you moved in yet have you, have you taken occupancy we, 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 yeah we sure no we sure did yeah you mentioned mick mulvaney earlier we're uh we're in his yeah. district yeah. we actually got a 53 million dollar tax package from the state of south carolina to um move our headquarters down here so we, we built a brand new facility and within a year we outgrew it we're breaking ground on the the second building um, across our parking lot right now to <laughs> house some folks. So we, um, yeah, it, it's been great moving the National Sales Support Center here. In, uh, and then you're also we're building really a new about Mulvaney. Yeah, it, I'm really excited about that too. I think he could have it. And you, the good news is you're giving in and providing advice to him and others, if I understand correctly. Yeah, yeah, we have we gotten gotten invited into uh, comment on law policy and um, just just you know kind of a sensible approach how to serve. The American public well um, in, in you know the, the housing uh, housing market. So um, we're really hopeful there'll be some meaningful progress made. Well, I look at the clock. We've taken up enough of your time. You've been very generous with your time, as busy as you are. I want to say big thank you, Casey, for being here and taking time to share the vision for uh, with what your vision has been and what you're doing. And uh, this is the first listeners of a two-part series where we've had Casey Crawford, the president and founder of Movement Mortgage. I encourage you to share this podcast with others, and especially for those of you share it up the chain and challenge your leadership to create this kind of culture, challenge your leadership to do things in a way that's creating a culture of giving, a, a, uh, an atmosphere where you too can feel charged up. It, we want, I know Casey's heart. He doesn't want this just at his company. He wants to see this transform the industry, and and there's no better way to do it than give in. And then in that spirit, we're going to have Kevin Stead on next week, who is the president of uh, – we're pre-recorded. I already have done the interview with Kevin, and he, too, is doing some giving into the community. We're going to have a two-part series on giving back. Perfect time to do it at Christmas, but we really should be doing it all the time. Casey Crawford, thank you so much, my friend, for being here and being a part of what we're, uh, we're doing here because this is a give back in many ways with our program. So thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Oh, man. Absolutely. Anytime. It is always a privilege to talk to you guys. I love doing it, man. Just have so much in debt to uh, to you and Andy for all the great guidance you've given me over the years. You know, I love you guys and wish you a very Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you, too. And Merry Christmas to all you, our listeners, Andy, Casey, uh, Alice, Joe, and all of our listeners. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of it. Hope you have a wonderful, blessed holiday season. We'll look forward to having you back. Now, we will be broadcasting Monday the 25th. It'll be a pre-recorded message from Kevin Stitt, so be sure to tune in for that one or download it and listen to it at your convenience. Have a great week, everybody, and Merry Christmas. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us again next week, and thank you for listening.